The Ziggler Show, timeless inspiration from Zig Ziggler that's influenced over 250 million people worldwide, inspiring true performance in your work and life today. Welcome to episode 328 of The Ziggler Show. I'm your proud host, Kevin Miller, and today's quote is straight from Zig. He says, money isn't the most important thing in life but it's reasonably close to oxygen on the gotta-have-it scale. The title of today's show is How Much Money Are You Working to Accumulate? Have you ever even thought about this? I mean, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but we're going to rip the concept apart a little bit and challenge all of our conscious and subconscious perspectives. And we're going to start off by listening to a message from Dan Miller on who the millionaires are in our culture, which is pretty eye-opening to say the least. Uh, Dan Miller's best-selling author of 48 Days to the Work You Love and No More Dreaded Mondays. He's a renowned career coach. He's pals with Dave Ramsey and Michael Hyatt and Tom Ziegler, who's in the studio with us right now. But most importantly, he's my dad. Uh, Yes, the guy who ruined me for traditional employment and a normal life. Uh, and as, as a Ziggler Show listener, you need to now go to your favorite podcast source and subscribe to the 48 Days Podcast. It's one of the top business podcasts and normally at the top of the career category list as well. I want to tell you all how honored and humbled I am by not only how many of you are listening to the Ziggler Show, but also how many of you are sharing it with others. The show continues to grow by literally tens of thousands of additional downloads every single month. I mean, you consistently keep us in the top 15 to 20 of all business podcasts worldwide and the top 200 of all podcast rankings and the five-star ratings and reviews in iTunes just, I mean, well, here, let me read a handful that just came in during the past week. So uh, 13QZ3 on July 20th says, this podcast is timeless, encouraging, uplifting, faith-based, truly a great way to showcase faith and business mingled. See you at the top. Oh, it's from Isabel, it says. Uh, Next one, Brendan Missick, I think is how it is. Uh, says, Mr. Miller, I came across the Ziggler Show podcast this morning and I listened to three straight episodes. I've always enjoyed reading Zig's materials. I was so encouraged to find out that his life foundation is the rock of Jesus Christ. I look forward to growing and listening to this show. Next one, Kay Stickman. Zig is so inspirational. Start listening to Zig and your life will change. Uh, the next one, Zick Meister, uh, just started listening a month ago. Keep finding myself going back and downloading old episodes. Love listening to the teaching style of Tom and Kevin. Very uplifting. Uh, Chad Schaefer says, Zig's timeless advice and direction taken through the eyes of scripture is simply amazing. Listen, apply, and succeed. And one more here. Jay says, the Ziggler show has opened my life to the world of positivity inspiration, and spirituality, the wise words from Zig, the commentary from Kevin, and the input from Tom and other guests brings me nothing but joy, wisdom, and hope whenever I get in my car. I'm glad I discovered this at the young age of 20, and I look forward to applying the ideology learned in my own life and spreading it with others to help achieve our goals. I recommend not only listening to this on a regular basis, but sharing with everyone you think could benefit from these gracious words of inspiration and hope. 
folks, I mean, Ziggler is the channel for encouragement, but thank you all for encouraging me. I mean, truly you are an immense gift to me and the entire Ziggler team. Thank you all so much. Today's show is brought to you by the art of charm, which you can find at the art of charm podcast.com. Host Jordan Harbinger was our guest in show number 327, where he gave his personal Ziegler testimony and told the story of how he came to evangelize the Ziegler principles in his company today. On the Art of Charm podcast.com, Jordan interviews today's world changers. The shows are raw and uncensored, so for Ziegler listeners, understand some of the guests use colorful language from time to time there. But the shows teach the powerful skills that are at the core of Ziegler's, like influence and persuasion that allow you to network better for business, make more friends with ease, and learn to increase business context the natural way. Go to the art of charm podcast.com or find the art of charm in iTunes or Stitcher and start taking your life to the next level. Here then is a quick, informative, and paradigm-shifting message from my dad, Dan Miller. The premise is who the millionaires in our culture are. But I want to stop you right there. For all of you who immediately thought, you know, I don't care about being a millionaire and making a lot of money, please tune in here because we're going to discuss afterwards, uh, whether not whether you want to be a millionaire, but what do you want and why? And that's really more important than even the, the want, I think, is the why. And then how to best get there. So here is a video from Dan. Hi, Dan Miller here, author of 48 Days to the Work You Love. Remember that song a few years ago, If I Had a Million Dollars? Well, is that really possible? We hear from people all the time who say, I'd like to be a millionaire, but I don't think they really believe it's possible. Because we have this image that to be a millionaire, sometimes you have to be lucky or just in the right place at the right time or have rich parents. That's not how people become millionaires. Let me tell you how it actually happens. In 1900, only 5,000 Americans were millionaires. Today, we have over 8.4 million people who are millionaires, with somebody else becoming a millionaire in the United States about every 12 seconds. Now, here's how they do it. 74% of those people are in their own business. 74% of the people have figured out something they're going to do on their own. It could be a simple little business like lawn mowing business or window washing or delivery service. They start with something that's their own, 74%. 10%. 10% of people who become millionaires are CEOs and executives. So if you're the CEO of Walt Disney and last year you were paid $53.3 million, yeah, you could get to become a millionaire by doing that, but that's pretty rare. Not all of us are going to have that opportunity or even want to take that path. 10% are professionals, physicians, attorneys, dentists, engineers, accountants, people like that who've got specific training, they manage their money well, they didn't get caught up in a high consumptive lifestyle, and they ultimately became millionaires. 5% are salespeople and consultants. It can be in any industry, but people with really good selling skills can leverage that and ultimately become millionaires. Now, if you're doing the math, we got 74%, 10, 10, 5, that's 99%. The remaining 1%, and it's actually less than 1%, includes people who win the lottery, people who work the stock market, athletes, actors, actresses, authors, all those things that you hear about. And the interesting thing is, when you talk to a little kid about how they want to become rich and famous, 
they always look for that 1%. Gee, I want to be the next Taylor Swift, or I want to be the next Tim Tebow. They think, well, I'm going to just play my odds of being in that 1%. No, if you really want to make a million dollars, put yourself in the 74%. Take an idea. We've got ways to show you ideas you can take to get started. Get in the 74%. That's your best option for becoming a millionaire. Let us know what you're going to choose, which of these methods you're going to choose to actually become a millionaire. Keep us posted on your success and have a spectacular day. Okay, Dad. So the initial impetus is breaking down who the millionaires are. But go back to my premise. The point we're landing on isn't whether you necessarily want to be a millionaire, but what financial level do you want to be at? That's the point. So, But let's start with the breakdown that you gave us. 74% of millionaires are self-employed, 10% CEOs or executives, 10% professionals, dentists, doctors, lawyers, and whatnot, 5% salespeople and consultants, 1%, actually less, are the lottery, stock market, or the big one that got me was athletes and the celebrities that we so often see at the top of media. So first off, nearly three-fourths of millionaires are self-employed. Yet ask the average person on the street about their perception of being self-employed, and I doubt their visions are necessarily millionaires. Uh, they know somebody. They think of you know the small, struggling business owner who works nonstop, and their business owns them more than they own it. And they sure don't seem to have much abundance of anything but anxiety. So, Dad, what's the disparity of perception here? Part of it is that people don't recognize how many people are self-employed millionaires I mean, if you drive around, you know, where, where we live, you know, in Franklin, Tennessee, you know, you drive around there, there's a lot of really nice houses. And the people that live there are not just people who started Microsoft or Boeing or McDonald's or like that. They're people who have dry cleaning business or people who have a little vending business, people who are doing something online. And it's amazing the unique ideas that people have used to create financial freedom and wealth for themselves that are not just some big splashy kind of business. They're very ordinary kind of things. But it still comes down to being self-employed is the quickest way to open the door to financial freedom. Now, the, the thing that attracts people to being self-employed a lot of times is not just money. It really is time freedom. But the funny, the irony in that is a lot of people go from working 40 hours a week to working 60 hours a week, <laughs> but it's because they love what they're doing. So it doesn't feel like work and drudgery if they're really doing something they love. Man, I, well, of course I can attest that. I love, I love building things and to know that, you know, kids, kids are in sleep in bed now and, you know, yeah, I could flip on a movie, but man, I could also go create something that, that may end up in a, a sale tomorrow, revenue, or just, just fun. It's exciting. And so it does get addicting and I've had to put uh, structure on my own life so that I'm not working all the time. Well, I know that a lot of times, you know, peers of mine are watching ball games or at ball games or fishing or something. And I, those are all fine things. They just haven't ever appealed to me enough to invest the time in doing those. And while those guys are doing that, yeah, I'm likely to be creating a new product. A couple of years ago, I had as a goal to create a new product and being in the information space. So things that would help people find their passion, help people find the best career, help people start a business. But my goal was to create a new product every single month, one a month. Now, as it turned out, I did 10. And in the 10th month, I got a contract for my next book. And so I dedicated the last two months to really quickly cranking out a manuscript. So that was a big product. But I love that. And a lot of times I'm spending time doing that when other people are doing 
uh, things that I would consider more frivolous. <laughs> totally, totally feel you on that. Well, so so on one hand, we have more people, as you talked about in the video, more people becoming millionaires. But I honestly don't see the masses necessarily, again, aspiring to this. Not everyone. But maybe they would if they understood these stats up front. So we have 74% of the largest income earners from self-employed and 10% as CEOs and executives. And man, I know a lot of the books that I'm reading that, that are written uh, from those folks, from CEOs, from top, top executives, they didn't get hired by their degrees to be where they're at. They are often got that success and came to that point by achieving doing things on their own. And often self-employment, again, is where they got to uh, hold that position, leading, innovating. And oftentimes, you know, they were succeeding in self-employment endeavors. And that's what got them the gig as that CEO. So in a sense, we're expanding, you know, and saying maybe it may be closer to 80% uh, of those folks are in the self-employed arena. So two questions from that. One is how many of those folks you think have formal education and de- degrees and certifications? And two, how much of formal education is breeding people to succeed in those sectors of top income potential? Well, those, those are big questions. This is a, a massive area of focus right now. Our academic system in America is on the bubble. We have people like Mark Cuban out there saying it's going to be the next correction, just like in real estate. You know, there's over a trillion dollars owed in student loan debts right now. Much of that will never be repaid because people have degrees where they owe to $80,000, but they have no marketable skills in the workplace. So it's a really tough issue that we're having to confront right now. But a lot of people, and when we look at research that's been done, like Dr. Thomas Stanley, who wrote the millionaire mind and the millionaire next door. He looked at people who were decamillionaires, people worth at least $10 million. And he said, what are the common characteristics? Is it their degree, their IQ? What is it that made them so successful? And he found that of those who were decamillionaires, of those who had degrees, and it was not a big percentage of those who had college degrees, of those who did, the average GPA was 27 Well, that's kind of hard to get our head around because we assume that higher grades and more degrees increase your earning potential and opportunity. That's not really true. A lot of times people increase the degrees that they get just because they have the academic potential to do that, ability to do that, and yet it boxes them into a corner. We assume that more degrees expand our opportunities. In many ways, it reduces our opportunities. When I work with a physician or a dentist or somebody that has a a JD behind their name, they don't see the the wide scope of opportunities that somebody with a high school education does. They see things in a very limited way. So we have to be careful about assuming that just more education opens the door. And a lot of people, when, when you have somebody that comes by and is going to mow your yard or paint your house or do your plumbing or electrical, you aren't likely to ask them for a resume and say, well, gee, I see you. You didn't go to MIT, so I don't think you can do this. Or somebody that's going to tune up your Ferrari, you know, you don't question them on our academic background. It's success that opens the door. And we're seeing more and more. uh, our, Our degrees have been focused traditionally on knowledge. Well, at this point, if you want to know what the capital of of a foreign country is, you don't have to have it stored in your head. You grab your phone and you can ask Siri that and in three seconds you know. The accumulation of knowledge has very little value. 
So we have to recognize real education is how do you solve problems? How do you relate to other people? How do you handle conflict? How do you set goals and reach them? Those are things that make you valuable, and those are things that people can attain very easily, even if they don't spend a lot of time sitting in a classroom in a university system. This, this is a hot potato, as you know, and it's a big issue for me. I mean, the third chapter in the brand new version of 48 Days to the Work You Love is, yes, I do have an education. And it talks about this very thing, that the most valuable skills you may bring to the table may be things that you gained outside of a classroom. Well, yeah, we could do a show just on that. Maybe we should. Well, so right there, let's stick right with it. So if formal education is, is not teaching us how to attain the most profitable uh, path to wealth, the most probability, where do we turn? Well, when, when we look at things that make people valuable, it may be that they traveled the world. As an example, Kevin, you remember well, when you got out of high school at 17, you went to Fort Collins, Colorado, started training at the National Olympic Training Center for bicycle racers. Then you went to Holland. You raced on the Dutch national team. Well, I had people, knowing that I have a lot of history in the academic system and I have a lot of degrees, you know, people asking me, well, aren't you concerned that Kevin's not in college? And I'm like, well... You know, he may decide to go to college someday, but right now he's too busy getting an education. And I really believe that. How could you compare the value of sitting in a seat, reading a book and regurgitating what's in that book compared to traveling the world, meeting people in other cultures, other faiths, how that expanded your opportunities and your own real true education? So it may be from reading a book that you haven't read before or going to a concert that you would not normally go to or driving a different way to work, you know, challenging the status quo, expanding your horizons. In many ways, you can do that where it doesn't relate directly to just reading a book and feeding back what was in the book. And I do want to make a call out to both you guys. So I got Tom Ziegler and my dad, Dan Miller, sitting here, both of which. So Dan's website is 48days.com. Ziggler, of course, Ziggler.com. And if you're looking for a place to go get mentored, get guided, get trained in some of these aspects we're talking about, both of them have some of the most uh, beneficial events on the planet. So I encourage everyone, go check both sites out, sign up for the newsletters, look at what events are happening because people's lives are changing and they're getting the best education ever at these events. So, hey, I'm interested too in the 5% of the millionaires you talked about being salespeople and consultants. Okay. So first, of course, Zig Ziglar was self-employed for the most prosperous time of his life, but his beginnings and much of his primary training was in sales. He was a salesman. So Tom, again, you know, I don't think the public perception again of sales is millionaires necessarily. And in today's day and age, the profession of sales is not a forerunner in people's minds. And again, it doesn't have any traditional formal education behind being a salesperson. Uh, so where can people turn to take advantage of this significant opportunity for financial wealth and abundance? Just a couple of thoughts here. I bet that if you broke these statistics down and you looked at the millionaire business owners, decamillionaires, uh, people who are in the CEO position who have become a millionaire because of that, I would bet that one of their strongest attributes is the ability to sell. Amen. Right? Because they're either selling their ideas through their team that get carried out or they're out generating the revenue for their business because it's a strength. 
where they're creating the environment that allows their product or service to be med- readily a- available and made, which is really a sales process. I love uh, uh, this concept that I learned from uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. I, I can't remember which book I read it in, but he said that in Hebrew, there are two words for the word sale. And one of them is a very kind of common word. It's a transactional word. It just means you know, a transaction. It's just something, goods exchanged, right? You know, money exchanged hands for goods or service or whatever. The other word was a very high moral word. And, and Hebrew has very great depth to the language. And there's so much uh, meaning behind each word. And it has multiple ways it can be used. And the word for sale and this moral uh, connotation of the word simply means to anticipate someone's need before they have it. Now, can you think of anything more beneficial in the world than for somebody to anticipate someone else's need or problem before they actually have the need or problem, right? Because what you're doing is you're keeping someone from experiencing unnecessary pain. So the, the, the small mechanic shop that, that sells the, you know, the oil change, what are they doing? They're anticipating a need. If you don't do this, it's going to cost you, right? That is a sale. And so when we take on this mantle, and dad would tell you, first and foremost, he was a salesperson. I mean, he's a motivational speaker. He was an author. But, you know, the flag that he flew the highest was, hey, I'm a salesperson. Don't make any mistake about it. I have things that I'm going to teach you that if you apply to your life are going to put you in a different position and they're going to prevent pain and agony. <laughs> I mean, that's the business he was in the, in the end, was, was solving people's needs before they had them. And so I think that no matter what role you're in, if you can sharpen your sales ability and skill, with the focus and motivation behind anticipating someone's need before they have it, you know, you're doing it for them, not for you. That's a game changer. You know, another thing I love about your dad's teaching, Tom, is he would talk about the phrase natural born salesperson. Well, that's just not a reality. You know, we don't want somebody who's a natural born surgeon cutting open your head. And, and I love the idea that people can learn how to sell. And there's nothing that can enhance your success level quicker than selling. Sales is the biggest equalizer in income opportunity of anything out there. There's all kinds of other skills you can learn and you're going to have a long, slow process. But if you learn to sell, you can take somebody who has an eighth grade education, somebody has an MBA, and in six months time, they'll be equal because they've learned how to sell. Selling is just an amazing door opener. I, I love selling. And I, I, again, I could very clearly attest to the fact that selling is at the top of the list of anything that I do. So as a coach, speaker, author, yeah, I do those things. But the only reason those things are successful is because I love and understand selling. Okay, well, you guys, uh, that's just one I, I can't stop laughing about that. The natural, bo- yeah, I, I, that's who I want. I, I didn't go to school. I'm a natural-born brain surgeon. <laughs> that's excellent, but it's it's beautiful, too, yeah, to think that, it, okay, so you, that's what you expect from people. Oh, they just know how to connect with people. They're, they're extroverted, you know. They're natural-born salespeople. 
No way. Is that who sold you your, you know, your house? Or That's not who's selling Ferraris these days. It's somebody who's got a skill. But I love how you say that. Well, first off, your preface, Tom, of if we look at that, if we say that generally, somewhere around 80% of our millionaires are, in the, are coming from a self-employed aspect, and you're saying that, yeah, I bet one of their primary skills – and we all know this to be true. Whether primary skills is sales, it is connecting with people, it is foreseeing their needs and serving them well. That really paints this in a significant that's – a, that's a paradigm shifter and a game changer to take that into context and put the value on personal relationship skills, which again is one of the core training pieces for Ziegler and what you raised me on, Dad. Well, one, one of the recent podcasts you, you two guys did had the little clip – Tom, where your mom sold your dad on the house that they lived in. I mean, I, I used that clip for our coaching mastery program for our monthly call because it was so classic in terms of just asking the right questions to lead somebody in to the conclusion that you wanted. Not high pressure, you know, not badgering people, handle every objection five different ways. Just ask the right questions and walk them right into an absolutely beautiful conclusion. That's excellent. All right, guys, I'm gonna I want to hit one more piece here on this topic. Um, I mean, distinctly missing as I looked at that list of millionaires. If we look at it as a vocational list, is where most people reside as employees in big corporate America or in small business America, but out there, uh, out there in the marketplace. People who may not have any sights again on being millionaires, but they do have desires and goals or at least expectations. So what I'm wondering here is, what is the message for the average person? Sure, one is if you want significant financial abundance, here are your best chances. But if your goal is not necessarily a lot of money, but enough to be okay, what can the the common man, in essence, still learn and adopt from these stats? Well, I, I love the way you lay that out, Kevin. What I do, you know, a lot of times people assume that I want everybody to be entrepreneurs. That's not true at all. I just want people to know the broad scope of opportunities in the workplace. So if we look at being, well, what happens when somebody goes through a transition, they're going to look for another job because they've had a job for 20 years. Well, we have to realize jobs, people being employees, that model is changing dramatically. So that limits their opportunities. I don't understand the power of being a contingency worker, an independent contractor, a freelancer, a temp, an entrepreneur, an electronic immigrant. I mean, there's all kinds of terms that describe other work models. That's all I want. Then having looked at that broad scope of opportunities, the work models that are available, they get to choose. And if they choose to be an employee, that is perfectly fine. I mean, we're never going to go away from that model. And it's a perfectly legitimate model. I just want people to know the options so they can hold their head high about what they choose. I'm going to dive right into what you said there. After I share a couple of resources I'm jazzed about because they save time and hassle. Look, the post office is not a place I enjoy visiting, whether to send one letter or hundreds. I don't like sending employees there either as it's an incredible time waste to drive there and back, wait in line where nobody behind the counter seems to be in as much of a hurry as those of us waiting in front of the counter. The good news is you don't have to anymore. You can now do your mailing online and on demand from the comfort of your home or office at stamps.com. 
anything you can do at the post office, you can do right now and anytime, 24-7 from a computer and printer. When I heard about this, I was on one hand excited about the opportunity and on the other hand frustrated I didn't know about it sooner. Apparently, many others already knew as Stamps.com boasts over 500,000 small business customers and last year did $1.5 billion in business. Uh, my only hesitancy with things like this sometimes is just figuring it out. I figured it'll be a hassle uh, for the learning curve. But again, stamps.com has dealt with this. It's ridiculously simple and easy. Plus, they have top-notch U.S.-based tech support. It's a piddly $15.99 per month for their service. Then you simply pay the same fees you'd pay at the post office. And actually, you'll often pay less as they have frequent special postage discounts. Of course, we have a special offer from Ziggler. Go now to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Ziggler. You'll get a no risk free trial and a $110 bonus offer that includes a digital scale and up to $55 in free postage. That's stamps.com. Again, click on the microphone on the top left and enter Ziggler. And while we're on the topic of saving time and money, I'm involved in a business endeavor right now that provides a truly incredible product, almost a monopoly, but the business has an Achilles heel, poor staff, and therefore customer service. And no level of quality in a product or service can overcome customers being treated poorly. So this morning I was writing out new job descriptions and I'm incredibly eager to get them out to new applicants. Actually, I'm excited to talk to new applicants. The getting the job position out there part is a headache and a pain, or it used to be. And now ZipRecruiter has solved that issue. I can take my new positions and post them to ZipRecruiter, which will immediately post them to 100 plus job sites with one single click. I just post once and within 24 hours, I have candidates rolling into ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface. Plus, my position will be instantly matched to candidates from over 4 million resumes. ZipRecruiter has been used by over 400,000 businesses, and you can try it right now. Of course, compliments of Ziggler for free. Getting the right people for your company is direly important, friends. I mean, try ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Ziggler. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Ziggler. One more time ziprecruiter.com slash Ziggler. All right. Now back to what you said, dad, about understanding what you're choosing with being an employee or not. You're saying, okay, you don't have to be an entrepreneur, but be entrepreneurial, which took me back. We recently uh, let people get a hold of Zig self-talk cards. And in that, it's one of the first, uh, I wish I had it in front of me and I wasn't quick enough to grab it, but he talks in there and says, and this is what you're speaking to yourself, that no matter who my employer is, I am self-employed. That's part of the self-talk cards. That's exactly right. That's a really great point. Yeah. And I encourage people, no matter what work model they choose to see themselves as self-employed, you need to understand what value you bring to the organization so you can describe that very clearly to anybody. And if circumstances change, like a people I hear from every day, then you ought to be able to, it's no big deal. You just simply need to fill that slot again. It also opens up the possibility, though, if somebody is really good in graphic design, as an example, they don't have to go out here and just beg for a job. If they understand what they do well, they may decide, you know, what if I found 
10 companies that are not large enough to have a full-time graphic designer but could use me one day a month or two days a month. That's a very legitimate model, and it's just a subtle change in that work model. So they still don't have to see themselves as some kind of raving entrepreneur. They don't have to be Donald Trump, Ted Turner, Oprah, but they still are very much in charge of the work they do because they understand that at the bottom they really are self-employed. You know, just just going on with that model of of owning your position, I would say that the most quote-unquote job-secure person in the world is your top-end salesperson, somebody who is a true sales professional. They understand the process from beginning to end, and their motive is to solve the problems that people have. Because whatever company that they're working for, if something happens there, if circumstances changes, they can go and work anywhere, including starting their own company. The sky is the limit when you understand that process and you're a true professional and student of that. You know, that's really interesting, Tom, that you've kind of framed it that way because we also see as salespeople take responsibility for being paid for results rather than time, they have less and less need to have guaranteed salaries. If you have somebody come to your organization and they say, I'm a really great salesperson, you know, but I need you to guarantee me $80,000 a year and, you know, two weeks vacation, they aren't really a salesperson. Somebody who really understands the value and is willing to accept responsibility, they don't care about a base. They're just going to go out and make things happen and know that they open the door, they, they take the ceiling off because they understand the value of their sales skills. We, we are coaching a couple of people in our business coaching. They have the coolest business model. They hire and develop commission-only salespeople. And then they contract with the big uh, cellular companies when they come out with new programs. And they become the sales force for the cellular company. The cellular company hires them on, or pays them on results. The cellular company has no risk. Think about it. Will they ever not have a need for that sales force? Oh, absolutely. I mean, what a, <laughs> what a win-win for everybody. Yeah. You know, so you've got I, this business, and what they're doing is basically brokering great salespeople with large organizations who need a sales team, and nothing happens until something gets sold. It's, it's a beautiful model. The salespeople are doing fantastic. The company that's employing this group loves it because there is no overhead or downside. I mean, and the people in the middle are, they're just, they're managing this process. And because they can extend the reach, they're, they're doing very, very well. Oh, and it's a beautiful model for everybody involved. I frequently have people uh, tell me, gee, I've, I've had years in sales. You know, I'm a salesman. That's my skill. But I can't find any company that'll guarantee me, you know, $65,000 a year. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you were a salesperson. And sometimes that kind of confuses them. But I tell them, if you really are a salesperson, that guaranteed base should not be an issue at all. If you align yourself with a company and a product that you truly believe in, that you're passionate about, that you would want your next-door neighbor to have, like your dad often taught us, Tom, you don't need that base. Just And there's not a company out there that would not want to have you on board. So find a company that you really love, a product that you care about. Tell them you're available and ready to jump in the game and the door's going to be open all around you. 
Well, hey, as we often do when we're talking about sales, I want to bring us back to that aspect of, again, what Zig said, everybody is in sales. Whether or not that has that is a role of your profession, we are also, it's influence. We, ha- we need this with our kids if we're going to have any influence with them. We need to know how to relate. We need those sales skills. And so back to uh, back to that statement about a natural born brain surgeon. Again, if you want to up your skills in selling, in connecting, well, first, Tom and, and dad, I want you guys to give one of your favorite resources on that for folks, okay, to, to end with. But I, I want to give one out too, because at, in this aspect of being entrepreneurial, acting like you're self-employed, taking responsibility and being accountable for your role, even if you're an employee, it does bring me back and we got to make a call out to uh, one of the top Ziegler fans on the planet, Seth Godin. Lynchpin. I mean, that's the essence of his book, Lynchpin, isn't it? I mean, just to go in, make yourself uh, Absolutely. indispensable, I think is the point of it. And so he wrote a book on that. It's another resource, folks, on this topic that I would uh, really advocate you go after. Absolutely. So you're looking for a resource? Yes, sir. Hey, not hard to give. I, I don't know how many hundreds of times, of course, I've recommended Secrets of Closing the Sale, the absolute top of the game book for how to ask questions and lead people into selling. There are certainly other resources. I recommend Brian Tracy's audio program, The Psychology of Selling. Goes at it a little bit different. And then another one, it's one of the old classics that really relates to this. It's not directly focused on selling, but it's a foundational piece. Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's not how to manipulate people. It's how to win friends and influence people. So those three would be, those three can put somebody, can they can dramatically change somebody's success in six months if they read those three sources and act on them. Tom, he's, he about stole my thunder with those three. Yeah, he did. He stole mine. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to add to that. Secrets of Closing the Sale is an all-time classic. We actually have that on audio over 12 hours. And there's two ways you can get it. You can get it through our website, at Ziggler.com, and you can order the CDs. I think it's $169. Or you could do something crazy, and you could go and get our Ziggler On Demand, which is our online library, where you can listen to it on your smartphone 24-7. A one-year subscription to that program is $99. The reason I say it's crazy is because it comes with 60 hours of bonus material. Meaning, if you get secrets to closing the sale, you also get how to stay motivated, courtship after marriage, raising positive kids, true performance, closes, 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 the list goes on. So uh, I, I'm an audio guy, so I like audio because I can do it while I'm doing something else. All right. Well, hey, on that, uh, I got to make a call out to How to Win Friends and Influence People. Dad, you raised me with that book as well. It's I own an old tattered copy, and it's actually one that has the old cover on it that uh, gives a call out to some certain chapters. It's almost like the, uh, hey, the essence of it here that I, I won't say bribed, I incentivized my kids, my older kids to read that. So this, this stuff, if you don't have the ability to relate well to people, you've lost one of the best assets for your life. So me as your loving father, uh, I want you to have those skill sets. And it's probably one of the things that I appreciate the most from you, dad, from exposing me to uh, Ziegler, taking me to the seminars, taking me to Carnegie courses to sit on the sidelines while you're going through those. And I heard that stuff and it's stuff that just comes up that I don't, I, I sometimes don't re- realize where I got that from. And I, and I go back, I was ingrained in me as such a youth. For those of you who are out there with kids, 
uh, what a gift to give them these valuable skill sets that'll benefit them in all areas of their life, no matter where they go, what roles they take. Yeah, absolutely. You know, those, those principles that we can share with our children, I mean, what an opportunity to help put in the seeds of success. And, you know, you were, you were actually disciplined by listening to Zig Ziglar audios. I was, I should hate the stuff. (laughs) Where you would, you were, we didn't call it punishment. We would call it attitude Attitude adjustment. adjustment. Yes, I know. (laughs) So we would listen to stinking thinking and check up from the neck up. And there's wonderful stories about cooked in the squat and uh, golly, that story of the pump. I mean, you know all of those, and I think it's only as you're now an adult that you it rings a bell in familiarity when you, in having discussions with Tom and listening to old Ziegler clips, that you uh, recognize, wow, that was there. That was somehow planted in my subconscious years ago. But what a, what a privilege to see you doing that now with my grandchildren. And you and I have talked about actually presenting a course, teaching the principles from CU at the top another classic Zig Ziglar book, and doing it where we would have me, you, and your oldest son, Caleb. Three generations. Tom, the impact of the Ziglar family and the Miller family is just insurmountable. I mean, indescribable. I mean, I'm sure you hear that from a lot of people, but we're looking at generations that have been impacted by those solid principles, treating people well, relating well, and having the doors of success thrown wide open. Yep. Yep. You know, I've, I've thought many times what legacy is and I thank God for it because my mentors, whether they're face to face or on audio, uh, like when I listen to you, Dan, you know, Dave Ramsey's one of them, Seth Godin's one of them. They were, you guys were all influenced by dad and now you influence me. Mm. I just, I just know dad's in heaven right now smiling about that. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Well, hey, I am incredibly honored to be here doing this. And yes, I'm glad I did not get bitter with those uh, those attitude adjustments. <laughs> and, and now I'm here. And I hope that uh, listen to this show, folks, I hope that you like we have in in here in the studio have gotten a great attitude adjustment. Thank you, guys. I'm honored, incredibly honored. So honored to do this with you, Dad. Thank you for the incredible education and training that you gave to me, Tom. Uh, man, I'm honored to do this with you, brother. Thank you all for listening and tuning in to The Ziggler Show. Thanks for tuning in to The Ziggler Show. Sign up for new show alerts at ZieglerShow.com. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want.